Hey, if you've got a, a Bible on you, why don't you go to the book of Second uh, Corinthians, chapter twelve, and I would just to look at that just a little glimpse, little uh, little read of that, but it'll come up on the screens as well. Uh, last week, uh, if you were here last week, we uh, began a new series, just this kind of preterm summer series. We're doing. Uh, kind of combined messages here that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks called God is. Everyone say God is. God is. is. He's something. And uh, and we've been looking about who God is. And really in conjunction with uh, these five days of prayer and fasting, which start tomorrow, the big idea of all of this is that, you, you know, this year you could start this year by focusing on what you might be able to achieve or how far your own willpower may get you or what things you're going to have to try harder at this this year you could do that or you could start by rediscovering what god is already offering and by way of his presence his providence and his power uh, in your life you know what as a believer as a follower of jesus God has made some provisions for us that allow us to lean on and lean into certain benefits. Let's call them those that do not originate from us. They don't come from our willpower. They don't come from our own strength. They don't come from our kind of thinking. They come from God. And uh, they can be summarized. They can be kind of encapsulated by understanding that there are four ways that God has positioned himself toward us and they are this is what we're looking at over the next next three weeks last week we started with this number one that god is in you number two god is on you number three god is for you and number so did i say three number four god is with you he is in you he's on you he is for you and he is with you so there we have just quickly four four positions, four ways this year that you can experience the goodness of God, His overflowing power and love in your life, and the assurance that He has you in more ways than one. And I I want to kind of drive this home because I believe that some of this kind of reminding, for some maybe revelation, it's the best way to start your year. And kind of just forget for a moment about what, what, what you've got to do, the, the things that you want to try and achieve. Just put these things in your mind and remind yourself of this, that He is in me, He is upon me, He's for me, and He is with me in 2020. And so last week we looked at God is in me, and we looked uh, where the Bible talks about uh, the hope of glory, which is Christ in us. The Apostle Paul said that. And you can listen to that message online. We've finally got our podcast working again. You can subscribe to that on iTunes or go to the link in your email updates. But we were reminded last week that if you've given your life to Christ, if you've received the free gift of salvation, forgiveness from God, the gift of eternal life, the promise is that by the Holy Spirit, He comes and dwells on the inside of us. He comes in us and that but by the Holy Spirit, He helps us to live a victorious life. And the Bible says that greater is he that is in me, in us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. There's some benefits. There's some advantages right there. And if that's not good enough news for you, if that's not encouraging enough, you'll also be glad to realize that having God in you provides the way for God to also come upon you and for him to be for you and for him to be with you as well. Recap finished. 
2 Corinthians chapter 12. And it's the Apostle Paul again, the same guy who said it was Christ in him, which was the hope of glory. He writes in the second half of verse 9, just going to touch on this. He says, but he, God, said to me, my grace, Paul, is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Not just in me as the hope of glory, but he might rest upon me. And if you read this verse in its context, Paul is kind of downhearted. He's discouraged. He's in some ways kind of bringing a complaint to God, which is an okay thing to do from time to time. He's complaining to God about the things that are coming at him, the problems that are kind of plaguing him, and he's pleading with God to take it away. But God reminds him, he says, hey, listen, Paul, this is what I'm good at, God says. This is how I roll. When you're weak, I'm strong. And so Paul's like, okay, well, I'm going to boast in this weakness of mine so that the power of Christ may rest upon me, may rest on, on me. And he comes to this powerful realization that when we're not able, God is. You've got to know that for 2020. When you're not able, when you've not got it in you, God has. And He, he is able. And the greater the challenge, the greater the gracing upon us. Because we put on ourselves a whole lot of things that aren't good, that actually, that actually kind of weigh us down. We put on ourselves all sorts of woeful things. We take on worry. Anyone taken on worry before? Or anxiety? Hello? We, we, we put on pressure, we take on ourselves unrealist, unrealistic expectations, we heap on ourselves the, the weight of life, we take on all sorts of heavy, heavy things. Turn to the person next to you and say, stop it. Just stop doing that. My, uh, my best friend in uh, primary school, his uh, grandparents used to breed St. Bernard's told this story before and we were out on their gravel driveway one day throwing the tennis ball to them and she had two of them we were playing with them and one of them leapt up at me knocked me over and the other one sat on my head (laughs) and I don't know if you've ever been sat on by a Saint Bernard on a gravel driveway but they are really heavy and it didn't get off me at all he had to go get his mum and I'm like and uh and and uh anyway we put on a lot of things that are heavy that are difficult to (laughs) shake off us Things that kind of weigh us down, right? That, that hold us back from living our very best, that restrict our lives. We allow discouragement to come upon us. We can allow fear to come on us. We allow all these different things. But listen, the Bible suggests that the only thing that we should allow on us is God himself, right? Listen to this, Romans, Romans chapter 13. It, it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on God and make provision for nothing else. Nothing, make, make, give no room for anything else to come on your life this year. Don't give room, don't allow any other thing to come upon you, but just make provisions for God to be upon, upon your life. Because not only is He not heavy, in fact, His burden, the Bible said, is light, but He'll help you lift any weight too great to carry in your own strength. Come on, he's in you, but he's also wanting to be upon you this year. 
is upon us. Not only is he in you, but he's on you as well. That the power of Christ, Paul says, may rest upon me, on me. You know that word upon or to rest upon, it, it, it means to overshadow. It means to, to dwell over, to, to cover. I believe this year God wants to cover us. He wants to overshadow you. He, he wants to uh, dwell over us with his spirit. That, that word is this Greek word, episkinos. And it, and it literally means, you see the picture of the tent, it literally means to pitch a tent upon. When we think about God coming upon us, the, the kind of the imagery there is like a tent being pitched over us. How many love camping? <laughs> we have a late love-hate relationship with camping. Uh, some of our family love camping, some of us don't. Uh, some of, actually, I love camping, but anyway. <laughs> okay. A couple of years ago, uh, I took the kids camping. Caroline stayed at home. We went to Mapua and we went camping with the, with the Martins, the senior pastors of Richmond New Life. And, and uh, there was a storm that night, but we'd made the fortuitous choice to, to sleep in a caravan next to their tent. And uh, in the morning at about six o'clock, it's really blowing and Caitlin wakes me up. I don't know if you remember this. And she, she says, hey, dad, I think you may need to give Jono some, some help. And I'm like, oh, he'll be all right. He'll be all right. And she's like, no, I really think you need to take a look. And I kind of pulled the curtains back and looked outside. And there was the Martin family holding on to their tent <laughs> as it's kind of being sucked up uh, into, into the sky. And uh, I don't know why we keep camping. Uh, everyone has these sorts of stories. But, but it's really interesting that the definition of God in, on you, the definition of God upon us is like this tent being, being kind of pitched over us, his overshadowing. It's no, no better illustrated this idea than in the Old Testament where the, the presence of God literally dwelled in a tent. And you can read many accounts in the Old Testament about these, these temples or these makeshift uh, tabernacles that they would establish as, as tents, places like in Exodus 40 where God actually instructs Moses to, to pitch a tent to host the presence of God. And it, and it says there that when the tent was pitched, when it was erected, a cloud of God's glory began to befall upon the tent and the presence of God would fill the inside. Much, much later in the Old Testament, we read about King David and how he prepared a place for the Ark of the Covenant, which, which actually housed the literal presence of God and he pitched a tent over it. It, it says this in the Old Testament in the book of Amos. It says, in that day, talking about, I believe, this day, right? He's, he's prophesying a time to come. In that day, this day, I will restore David's fallen shelter or David's tent. I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins, and I will rebuild it as it used to be. And so he, here we have Amos prophesying about this tent kind of thing happening, and prophesying about a time to come where God would rebuild the tabernacle. God would rebuild the tent, the tent of David. He would restore its ruins, rebuilding it as in the days of old. But, but listen, don't expect to find that tent at Kathmandu because the tent he's talking about is actually you. Hey, I'm a poet and I didn't realize that I just rhymed. It's like... 
We are the tent, the habitation of God's, God's very presence. We are the meeting place for His glorious Spirit this year in 2020. As you go out of this place, it, it actually, that's when it counts. It, you are the tabernacle that He wants to inhabit. You are the tent of His presence that He is wanting to pitch over and rest upon us. We are the fulfillment of that prophecy of Amos about what is being reestablished and rebuilt. And so not only have we become the tabernacle of God for Him to dwell inside in us, but He's now pitching a tent over us so that His presence may come upon us. It's like we're a tent within a tent. <laughs> he's in us and now He's over us. He's inside you and now he, he's on you. And I've often thought about this, God, in me and God, upon me. God, you're, you're in me. You're the hope of glory and you're also upon me. Why, why are you in these two different ways? What, what's the difference between Christ in us and Christ upon us? Is there a difference or is it just kind of nice, nice kind of words? And I heard this quote from, from Bill Johnson from, from Bethel Church. Some of you may may uh, have heard of this. He puts it this way, and, and I love it. Speaking about the difference between God in us and God on us, he says, listen, God is in you for your sake, but he's on me for the sake of others. He's, he's in me for my own sake, but he's on me for, for other people. In other words, it's, it's Christ inside of you for you, for your own healing, for your own uh, internal world. Christ in you to, to rule your internal world. It's Christ upon you to bring healing and freedom to the world around you, the external world. Christ in us for the internal world. Christ upon us for the world around you. Following, following me this morning. He's inside me for me, for my forgiveness, for His grace for me, for, for my empowerment, but He's upon me for, for others to impact and influence my surroundings and the world around me. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 4.18. I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you this morning. but Jesus said this, re re repeating the words of Isaiah. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is what? Is on me. The Spirit of the Lord, Jesus said, is on me. Why? Why is He on me? He's in me for my sake. He's on me for others. Jesus said He is on me because He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor outside. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. This is talking all about others, the world around him, to, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, Jesus said, is on me. I have, he said, the Holy Spirit. God has come upon me. He's anointed me. Why? Not just for my sake, but for the sake of the world. So that, number one, the good news of the gospel can be proclaimed. Number two, that people imprisoned in their sin could be set free. This is the ministry of Jesus. Number three, that those without sight could be healed. Number four, people in oppression would be delivered. And number five, that the kingdom of God was at hand. This was the year he was proclaiming that the kingdom was near. And it's, it's interesting 
it, in the life of Jesus, if you follow the Gospels, that up until the baptism and the receiving of the Spirit of God upon him, where we read in Matthew 3 where the heavens are opened and the Father said, this is my Son who I'm well pleased, and the Spirit comes like a dove and rests upon Jesus. Up until that point of time, I may be wrong, correct me if I am, but Jesus performed no miracles. He preached no sermons, nothing apparently worth mentioning. But from that day when the God came upon him, awesome things began to happen and his ministry began. Demon busting, dead raising, disease healing. Because he was enabled, he was entrusted, he he was empowered on Jude on high to accomplish the will of his father. And then... And then Jesus would turn to the disciples who were turning to us and would say, hey, listen, the same way that the Father sent me, I also send you. And so we just have to apply some simple logic to that, to the, the, the empowerment for us as believers to follow in the same footsteps as Jesus, that then we can say the spirit of the sovereign Lord, therefore, is upon you. God is on you. He's not just in you if you've received his love and he's upon you as well. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on you. Not only are you a vessel to be poured into, but you're a vessel to be poured upon. If it wasn't enough to have this treasure of God in us as the jars of clay, as the scriptures say, he decided, well, guess what? You're going to have me on you as well, not just in you, but I'm going to put myself on you. The same power that fell on Christ now falls on us. This is some good news for 2020. The same tent that was pitched over Christ can now be pitched on us. Amen. He's in me for, for my sake, but he's on me for others. He's on you for other people. He's on you for your family members. He's on you for your neighborhood. He's on you for the things that, that God wants you to achieve, achieve this year. So that through you and through me, we can preach the good news to the poor, the poor in spirit. Those who've never understood, never had this reconciliation to their father. We can see the brokenhearted healed. He's anointing you. He's upon us to proclaim freedom to the captives and release released from darkness those who are bound up. And I know of a lot of people who are bound up and in darkness. That's why God's calling us to the community, to families who are lost, who need to see the light of Christ. Guess what? They're probably not going to be kind of angels appearing in their living rooms. He's probably going to appear through you as his light with him, his spirit upon you. It's not just on you so that you can kind of feel goosebumps, right? Which is the great kind of assumption of the Pentecostal church that we have God on us so that we can kind of feel glory, right? No, he's on you to minister to others. The Holy Spirit is upon you for boldness. We, we see, we'll look at this in just a moment, but the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God came upon the early church, it was more than just praying in tongues and shabababaring. And, and it was so that they would go out and in boldness preach the gospel without fear. All right? Okay, I think you're convinced. He's on you to change the world around you. Jesus said this to the disciples before the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit came, he said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry, wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. 
And most of you will know the story. Then came Acts chapter 2. It says that it was like fire. Tongues of fire began to rest upon each one of them. And we read about people like Peter, who was often putting his foot in his mouth. He was doing stupid things. Uh, he was scared to st talk. The guy who would skedaddle and, and take off, the guy who denied Jesus, he steps up and full of Christ on him. I want you to see this, Christ upon him. He addresses the crowd in Acts 2, and it says that 3,000 people give their lives to Christ, just like that. And it's actually quite amazing when you think of the context of what was going on there in Jerusalem, because only 50 days before that event, the crowds in Jerusalem were screaming, crucify him, crucify him, speaking of Jesus. But now they were screaming, what must we do to be saved? There was this complete turnaround. Why? Because God began to rest upon some people. God began to not just be in them, but also become upon them. God, Jesus was saying, hey, listen, he's, you're in me. He's, I'm, I'm in you, but you've got to wait till I come upon you. And guess what will happen? It'll go crazy. You're going to turn the world upside down. God's presence upon his people can completely change the spiritual atmosphere, either of a room that you're in, I believe, of a city that we, we live in. We can see this where a city would go from hatred toward God to being completely open to him and, and revival would break out. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory, and Christ on us, the hope of the world. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ upon us, the hope of of the world and i want to remind you right now if you've surrendered your life to christ and we give an opportunity every morning just to uh you know to see if there's anyone here who may want to do that for the first time but if you have listen you have the gift of his indwelling he is in you he's put his treasure in you but don't forget that he's also on you he's on you to be strong when you're weak He's on you this year to give you boldness. He's, he's on you to declare His goodness. He's on you to enable you to do great things. He's on you to set the captives free, to bring healing and restoration to those. You may feel weak. You might feel inadequate. You, you, may, not be un, you may feel unable. You may not feel up to it. It doesn't matter. Listen, all of your shortcomings are qualifying you to be the one who He rests upon. You've got no excuses. Really? <laughs> I just want to declare Isaiah 61 over you. We short messages in this preterm. Maybe uh, Matt and Caitlin, if you could please come. And Isaiah 61 is what Jesus in the book of Luke declared. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord. And I want to just turn this to us this morning. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon you. Why don't you close your eyes for just a, just a moment? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon you. And some of us need to be reminded of that right now. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, our God, is upon you. Is on you. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on you because why? Because He has anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent you to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. 
I'm going to declare that and speak that out again. And I want you to think about those in your life, people perhaps who are going to come into your life this year. The ones that God is going to use you to reach. He wants you to know without a shadow of doubt that His Spirit is upon you because He is anointing you, Aspire Church, to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent you to bind up the brokenhearted. He's sending you out this year to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives, those who are bound up and locked up in sin and released from the darkness those who are in prison to their own things. God, we thank you for the promise of your Spirit, not just in us today, but upon us. We thank you for all that you've done in our life internally. We thank you for the freedom that you're bringing from the inside out. We thank you for that hope of glory. We thank you for the treasure that you've placed in us, just jars of clay, a little cracked sometimes, a little ordinary, but you've done something truly extraordinary in us. We thank you for your indwelling. We thank you for the Spirit in us. And Lord, may we this year abide in you that so that you may abide in us as you remain in us. Wait, may we remain in you as we begin this week of fasting and prayer. God, part of it is for us to just remain, to get connected again, to, to find ourselves in you, God. I thank you, Father, for your promise to come in, to dwell in us, to fellowship with us. But I thank you right now for your Spirit coming upon us this year. I thank you for your enduring of, on, of power on high. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you don't just want to rest on the inside, but you want to rest on the outside too. Why? Not just for our sake, but for the sake of others. God, your heart is focused outward. You came not for the healthy, but for the sick. You came not for the religious. You came for those who are far away from God. And you've given us the promise of the Holy Spirit to rest upon us, that we may be effective in reaching others. Why don't we stand for just a moment this morning? I feel like we've got to...